not know me. Um, I'm just a guy here at GCF that they asked to teach, so I said, yes, please. Um, this morning, we're going to be continuing through Galatians, um, covering another section of Paul's argument, um, 421 through 51. If you guys don't mind, let's turn there and read it first, just to kind of start building it in our mind. Getting a context. <clears throat> so, Galatians 4, 21 through 5, 1. It says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born on, according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are in not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So let's, uh, <clears throat> let's pray and ask God's for, God for his help this morning. Lord, we thank you for, um, again, this opportunity to gather and, and to read and to um, desire to understand your word here. We thank you that uh, it teaches us what is true, and we can trust it. Thank you that uh, your your spirit changes us through your word. I pray that uh, that would happen this morning as we as we understand it more and more, as we understand your your law and the promises you have made, and what life in the spirit is supposed to be like and what it is not. I pray that uh, you would. You would help us to see these things. Send your spirit to, to help us. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, this section that we're reading now, we're going we're gonna to read before to get us a little bit better of a context. Uh, it is part of uh, a, a broader argument that Paul has been making since chapter 3, verse 6. And it concludes here in 5.1. Um, Paul's using biblical arguments to counter the false teaching of the, of the Judaizers here. Um, and, and he's doing that to show the Galatians, who are Gentiles and Jews, that the gospel is consistent with the scriptures. So the gospel he's preaching, it's actually consistent with Old Testament scripture, where the Jews are saying, no, look at the Old Testament scripture, the Mosaic law, look at that. We have to still do that. Paul's saying, no, look, look 
before that, look to Abraham, you're going to see that, that this has been God's point all along. So let's turn to uh, Abraham, the man of faith, chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. And um, let's have, Drew, do you mind reading that? Okay, so you see how this is fitting into Paul's argument. Um, why, why bring up Abraham? First of all, I guess would be to start thinking kind of critically about this. What's, what's the point of, it seems like he's kind of dropped in the conversation here about receiving the spirit through faith and not works of the law. Why, why is Abraham brought in to the, to the argument, to the conversation? Yeah. And um, can you, like, elaborate on that? Because that's, yeah. Well, he's the one that got called. God called Abraham to believe to apply the faith. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and as the father. Father of the promise. Yep, exactly. As a father of, of the Jews. If the Jews are, are the children of the promise, Abraham is their father. That is, that's how that works. The promise came through Abraham, and his children are the ones that inherit. There's an inheritance mindset here again that um, as I stated maybe a couple weeks ago I just my mind just does not work this way I don't think about inheritance as often I, I think about works more than anything else but with the Jews and with God's economy inheritance is everything whose son you are is everything everything's tied to that and so his his point here is is Abraham's the one who believed God and God credited righteousness to him Righteousness came through faith, and Gentiles that are justified are justified by faith as Abraham's children. Okay, so this is, this is mind-blowing, right, because Gentiles are not Jews. Okay, let's, let's continue. Uh, 10 through 14, because there's another, another scriptural example here. What's that? Yes, still in three, sorry. Three, 10 through 14. Um, Steve, do you want to read that? Thank you. 
Okay. So we have a further understanding of this argument. Paul is explicitly now stating that the law has told us that you are not justified by works. The law has told us that cursed is everyone, right? This, you, you've, become un, you've come under a curse because cursed is everyone who does not abide all these things written in the book and do them. And, and for some reason, I mean, the, this is just our, our human nature. We're going to get into this a little bit more. Our flesh sees the law, and it says, I want to obey, I can obey. Um, the Jews are, are no different. They have the, the same flesh as we do. And, uh, and we forget that the entire law actually has this, this large section set up for sacrifices, which exist because they could not keep the law. And so there's this, contradictory, this contradiction in their heads. Um, they want to keep the law, but the law is telling them, you can't. The righteous shall live by faith is what the law says. Um, and Christ has come to take the curse and set free those under the law is the main, the main gist of this. So um, let's go to uh, <coughs> our passage here again. And, and start reading uh, at 21. And let's read, yeah, let's read the whole thing again, just to get it in our heads. M, would you read that? Yeah, so um, we just kind of, let's ignore that 5.1 is not in our chapter because this is Paul's continued thought here. Um, and if you're like me, your brain kind of breaks them apart, but I have to I just hide the number, and it helps. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, chapter and verse. They're helpful. <laughs> Um, yeah, so again, let's, let's think about the greater context of Galatians. A couple reoccurring themes have happened so far, and they're going to help us to understand um, the themes that Paul is using now. 
So uh, I just wrote down a couple of them. There's been there's been kind of this these dichotomies or antithesis of like spirit and flesh, uh, promise and law, faith and works. Um, what else? What else you guys think of from from our study so far? Yeah, yeah, liberty and slavery, free and slave, slavery. Okay, Jews and Gentiles, that's a big one here. Um, that's kind of the whole, whole point of the argument, the whole reason of it, for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Flesh and spirit is a huge one here, and we're going to talk about that probably the most, along with free and slave. But I mean, what's, what's common now against, so what's common between spirit, promise, faith, life, <laughs> okay <laughs> good good I mean y- you see that relationship that Paul is drawing on on this side it's like if it's a ledger uh, it's it's heavily weighted uh, on the other side is flesh law works death like that's that's um, it just seems like the argument is like, how could you ever choose this if you have this kind of a deal, right? I mean, and and that's I think Paul again has over and over again exclaimed, "I'm su- I'm so just completely surprised that you guys have left the gospel. I'm just I am out of my mind right now because it's just you, you're completely confusing me. I, I thought you had received the Spirit through promise and by faith." And enjoyed it. I mean, they, they, they experienced the Spirit's coming, um, uh, received Paul's teaching of the gospel uh, fully, and now they've abandoned it for flesh, law, death, like curse. That's what you want? You, you can see his confusion there. Um, and, uh, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but we're also going to see that uh, there, 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 in some sense, there also isn't a surprise that this is how it is. Maybe it's a surprise because they did receive the Spirit and now they've turned away from it. Um, but the surprise is that anybody ever chooses the life and promise um, is pretty clear in, in Scripture as well as here, I think. Um, so let's, let's kind of get into this. The main themes of this session, this section of Scripture, um, is that, that there's the children of the free woman, not of the slave, are free from the condemnation and curse of the law. So that's the, Paul's emphasis on the children are free. The slave is under slavery. The, the children of the slave is still under slavery, and the curse and condemnation of the law. Um, we'll talk about what freedom is in a little bit, too. The Galatians are already full children of Abraham. If they, are, if they, if they have faith, they're justified by faith, um, they are already 
inheritors of the promise given to Abraham. That is how you are a child. And this is completely apart from observing the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law came later. As Dave taught a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, about the two covenants. Of the, we have this covenant set up um, by God with Abraham that in, through you all the nations shall be blessed. Um, then we have another covenant that comes through uh, Moses. Um, and, and Paul's point here is that the, the later one does not annul the, the earlier one. This earlier one is still in effect. We have this later one too. It comes later. Okay, um, And so Paul's saying, look back to Abraham. Stop looking at Moses. Look back to Abraham. You are indeed children of the promise. So let's look, look more closely at verses 21 through 23. Um, I mean, Paul's not pulling his punches here. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Can you just like feel the, he's, he's condescending to them. <laughs> um, and uh, being a little sarcastic and snarky, that's okay. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Okay, so what's he saying? I mean, if, you're, if you are so bent on following the law, don't you even listen to it? Is, is kind of the, the idea here that he's putting forward. So why? Why is he using this kind of snarky language, I guess, with them? What's the point he's trying to, to drive home? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, do you even listen to what you're saying? It's like kind of the put it in different words. Do you even listen to yourself? Like, can you hear yourself? Because what's he, he's saying the law says something. What does the law say here in our, in our passage? It's a little obscured. Do you think the Jews wanted to be of the flesh? So, I was, sorry for the language. This, this is the language used. This may be kind of, uh, it's hard for me to understand. But flesh is really, this is, not a, this is not a compliment. This is not a good, an encouraging thought. The Jews were of the promise. Okay, they, they, that's, they were the promise, chosen, chosen people of God. Okay, Paul's saying, the son born of the slave is, was born of the flesh. Slavery to the law is, is fleshly. I mean, chew on that for a second. Do you want, you want to? Okay, we're going to talk about this word desire. You should desire to be under the law. Like, this is a choice. They're, they're making this choice. They're seeing it and saying, yes, I want that. 
And that, that desire is coming from their flesh, Paul is saying. Like, that's, that's an evil desire. Because the law, don't you listen to the law? The law says that you trying to do this is evil, right? Instead, freedom is, comes through, freedom from the law, freedom from condemnation and the curse of the law comes through promise. Promise. This isn't what you did. This has nothing to do with obeying the Mosaic law. This is a promise given to Abraham and and through Abraham and the conduit of faith to you. It's nothing that you do. Let's, let's read the, um, the Genesis account because I think it's so helpful. In order to understand, I mean, when you guys think of the gospel, sorry, I'm a little bit of a, a rabbit trail guy. Um, when you think of the gospel, do you think Abraham, is that what immediately pops into your head? I think Abraham. Like... No, we, we don't. And you know why? I think. Yeah. We're Gentiles. <laughs> like, anybody Jewish here? Anybody Jewish descent? Yeah, so none of us, right? None of us have thought of, like, God's work in the sense of, of our culture and our background as Abraham. We, we are just disconnected from this. So are, the, so are the Galatians. So we're in a good place some of the Galatians, we're in a good place. We can, we can identify with them, right? So Paul is saying, no, listen, in order for you to understand this, we need to go back to Abraham because this is incredibly important. Um, this wasn't a new idea of God's to include the Gentiles into this, this life-giving promise as inheritors. Um, this has been the, the idea all along, all the way back to eight, uh, Adam, in fact, but Abraham is where it starts to get fleshed out a little bit. So let's go to uh, Genesis 15. We're going to jump in the middle because there's more before this even. And uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 to you. So, so the heading on it says God's covenant with Abraham. And it says, After these things the word of the Lord came to, Ab- to Abram, In a vision, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household shall be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and looked and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. Okay. Abram, early Abraham, uh, the name change is even significant, is is, uh, is childless. He doesn't have any children. And we learn earlier that Sarai, his wife, is barren. She can't have kids. God is saying, I, I'm going to bless you greatly. And Abraham says, in kind of a, a rhetorical way, what, what could you give me? I, I don't have any children. Right? That's, that, and again, like descendants, 
what, what could you do for me? Abraham is not thinking just of himself, but of his progeny. Eliezer of Damascus, just this other guy that I'm related to, he's going to inherit everything. And, and the Lord says, no, your son is going to inherit this. You're going to have a son. And your children are going to be as numerous as the stars in the, in the sky. So, again, this, this is like, from Abraham's point of view, this is impossible. There's just no way this is going to happen. Right? But he believes God. He believes that that's what he says is going to, be, is going to happen. And God credits him with righteousness for his faith. Okay, now over to 16, 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abraham's, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. <clears throat> she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. The irony is thick. Go in to my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. <laughs> and Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And, uh, and when she saw she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram saw, uh, said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Okay, so very, very interesting here. Abram still doesn't have a kid. This is 10 years later of the promise, right? He believes God is going to do this. Doesn't have a child. Sarai says, look, I'm going to give you my slave. She's a slave, right? She has no choice here. And maybe she'll bear children for us. This is, this is the way things get done here down on earth, unfortunately. Over and over again, this is just how we, how we act, right? God said this, and it's been a really long time. I think I should do something about that, right? That's basically just, that's what goes on in my head at least. Um, 17, 15 through 19 and God said to Abraham, Abraham, his, his name is changed from the father of many to the father of nations. Okay, so that's, that is extremely important. Abraham is now the father of nations, not just a nation. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. <clears throat> I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations Kings of people shall come from her. Okay, so what's, again, like, what's shocking about that? We, we're, we're still just talking about the Jews, aren't we? Right? The, the Jewish people thought, we're the people of God. And he's talking about kings and nations. Okay. Very important. Then, then Abraham fell on his face, okay, and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? These are legitimate questions, right? 
And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you, the son born to him through Hagar. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. This is going to happen through Sarah. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. So Ishmael isn't left out here. Uh, there's still something that happens with him. Uh, but, but God is, is clearly saying, listen, I know you have a son. His name is Ishmael. It is not going to happen through him. The son I'm going to give you, and Sarah, is the son of the promise. Okay. Some, uh, some clear distinctions here. Hopefully this is, this is helping to form this, this idea in our heads. Um, why Paul is talking about this right now. We have a free woman and we have a slave. Sarah's free, Hagar is a slave. Abraham has received the promise from God that, uh, that from him all nations shall be blessed. Okay, and the inheritance of, of Abram's descendant is going, it's going to be the entire world. Um, these, are, these are the promises that, that all of us want to hear, basically. We're holding on. This is life. This is what God is promising Abraham. And, and Abraham is, is working out of his flesh along with Sarah. Abram and Sarai are working out of their flesh to produce this son because they want it so badly. And it comes through Hagar, a slave. And that son, a slave as well, because it's born of a slave, okay, is is uh, continues in slavery, and his children after him are of the flesh and in, in slavery. Whereas, we've got, on the other hand, Sarah, a barren woman, receives a son through God. That son receives the blessing and promise that was intended. He is the inheritor of the covenant. Paul's going to, to shift a little bit here and he's going to do something called allegory. So he's, he says here in verses uh, 24 through 28, Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. So, what's an allegory? Like, what did he just do with this story? Uh, these were real people. <laughs> this is a historical event that actually took place. Um, and I don't think, Paul's not doing anything with that. But he's saying, listen, there, there's actually a, if you will, kind of like a, a biblical the, theology here that he's developed. Um, this, is, this is just an, an illustration from a historical event that depicts a general principle. Um, there are some interpreters in the past that love allegory. I think uh, Augustine was one of them and used it profusely uh, which as an interpretation, so he's, he'd read a, a, a kind of a natural 
historical piece of text and then say something completely outside of what the text actually says um, because he's, he's trying to illustrate a point as well through allegory. Um, that can be extremely dangerous, I think. I leave it to the, to the apostles to use allegory and, and try not to do that myself because you can miss the main, main purpose of the text when you do that. But we're going to let, let Paul do it because he is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, um, and try to understand, like, what is this that he's trying to, trying to uh, explain? What's the general principle? So, again, let's look at uh, some of the contrasted, uh, contrast illustrated here in his allegory. So he's got, uh, on the one hand, a slave woman, Ishmael, according to the flesh, Hagar, slavery, present Jerusalem, persecuting. I mean, this is, again, it's, it's almost like he's stacking the deck. Um, on the other hand, free woman, Isaac, through promise, Sarah, freedom, Jerusalem above, persecuted. Um, if, if you guys had to take a stab at it, what is the general principle that Paul's trying to trying to teach here through allegory? Absolutely. Good. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Any, anybody else? I heard something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, it's pretty clear there, huh? Um, 
yeah, Hagar as a slave born, bore children for slavery. So Hagar, it, it says that the scripture actually bears children for slavery in the sense of the scripture meaning the law of God, that those under the law are slaves. Um, remember again the, the example of the guardian. Paul is using that, that uh, human example to, um, to try to try to get the Galatians' mind around this concept of um, you, you think that there, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a Hasidic, a, uh, a Jewish saying, the more Torah, the more life. Um, which, you know, at face value, like, there, there's parts of me that just wants to agree with that so much because the law is, there is so much, so much good out of the, the law is good, righteous, and true. Right, it is. There is life in the law, um, but the uh, but that idea that we can get life from the law is misplaced. That is wrong. Rather, the law is a guardian. It is actually, and it's not just like a a nice guardian, like a nanny or a or the or the French. Um, Au pair, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was you in the back, huh? Yeah, yeah it's French-speaking Belgium. Okay. Um, no, no, this is, this is like, this is a harsh master over you. You are not doing anything that you want to do. It is going to control you, and you can't wait until you are out from under this guy or girl, right? The guardian is your slave master, and you are that guardian slave. You just don't have any rights underneath. Same, same idea. Under the law, you are a slave. There, you don't get to do what you want. Because what you want is actually evil. It is going to punish you for doing what you want, in fact. Um, that's the idea here. Hagar is the slave. Underneath this, bearing children for slavery. The scriptures also, the law. Bearing children for slavery um, the yeah the quoted here Galatians three twenty two the scriptures imprisoned everything under sin, imprisoned them under sin. So this is a slave; they're not free. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Okay, starting to get an understanding here. The Jerusalem above, Sarah as a free woman. Okay, remember Sarah was not the slave; is every believer's mother. Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Who do you think, that, uh, given the context that Paul's talking about, who's the barren one? Do you remember from, this, from what we just read in, Gen in Genesis? Who's, who's barren? Sarah. Sarah's barren. Rejoice, Sarah. You're going to have more kids than Hagar. You're going to have more kids than, than a child, than a, a woman who has a husband. Rejoice. How is this going to happen? Okay, this is impossible. Sarah is barren. It's impossible, right? But that's God's work. That's what he does. Um, Sarah has more children than Hagar because it's through the promise that she has children. Um, and this is to, this is you know, Hagar's son actually becomes a great, a great people's, um, where the analogy kind of breaks down because 
the peoples of Ishmael were not the Jews. But uh, in some senses, they are all in, all slavery, uh, under slavery by the flesh, is kind of the idea. Um, but Sarah's children are going to be greater because through the promise, it's not just a nation that the promise is going to be extended to. It's going to be nations. Sarah's going to receive all of these children now, like us. Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. The Galatians are children of Sarah. And, and Paul's just trying to drive this point home more and more, again, against the Judaizers who are saying you have to follow the law in order to be a Jew. In order to be called a child of, of Abraham, you have, to follow, you have to be a Jew, because only Jews are the children. And Paul's saying, no, the, the Galatians are children also. The Gentiles enter into this covenant through faith, not by works. In fact, the works keep you in slavery, okay? Um, Isaac and the Galatians, he says here, they're both children. They're brothers. They're brothers with Isaac through the promise. Uh, verses, let's keep moving. I got to keep moving. Uh, verses 29 through 31. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Okay, so um, this idea of persecution, um, there's a story uh, back in Genesis where Ishmael, uh, you know, uh, Abraham uh, has a feast for Isaac celebrating him. I think it's with a circumcision. I can't really remember. And, um, and Ishmael is mocking Isaac, basically, at that feast. Okay, that's, that's, that's what he's referencing here, Paul's referencing. And he says, just like back then, the fleshly child, again, remember Hagar, like this is, this is an evil way to make kids, right? The fleshly child is, is persecuting the child of the promise. This kid that came from God, this, this is a promise to Abraham. Sarah, barren, has a child, miracle, right? The fleshly kid is mocking the child of the promise. Hasn't changed. He's saying these Judaizers, this, this idea that the Jews are, are persecuting the Christians um, because, because of the law of Moses, um, that's, uh, that's, there's just no surprise there because as it has been, it always will be. Um, and, and again, this is, this is extremely offensive to the Judaizers that he, he states, uh, the child of the slave shall not inherit with the son of the free. There's just, there is just no room for justification by works, he's saying. These Judaizers, he used to be one, right? Um, there, there's no room for it. They will not inherit. They are, that's, they are condemned. They're under the law. Um, the, the next verse, for freedom Christ has set us free. Freedom from slavery and condemnation of the curse was Christ's intent. That was his work. And he's trying to get them to see that. 
Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we, we get to application here, and that's what I'm going to spend the rest of our time on. This is the so what. What is he, what is he telling the Gentile, or the, uh, yeah, Gentile and Jewish Galatians? Listen, it's not through works of the law. If you go back to that, Christ will be no, of no value to you, he's going to say it later on here. Um, why? Why is, this, why is he so bothered by this? I mean, he is, he's cursing people, telling them to emasculate themselves over this issue. Like, why? Okay, if, if I were to read Corinthians again, I think we brought this up a couple times. Like, if I read 1 Corinthians, I think that that church is really screwed up. Like, they've got all sorts of, of nastiness going on. This is, like, very sinful behavior in the church of Corinth. But that's not how Paul talks to the, to the Corinthian church. And understanding this point gives that a lot of credibility. I understand the reason why now. Because here, this idea of freedom in Christ, it is the gospel. Like that is, that is the foundation of our belief. If we stray from that, we are no longer Christian. That we are no longer under grace. We are under the law. And if you remain under the law, there's only one end of the law, and that is condemnation and curse. You, you will only go that way. The church in Corinth, they were using their freedom in the gospel to do whatever they wanted. Paul says, and this is shocking to me, it is worse for you to want to be righteous through works than to do whatever you want and believe the gospel. That should, that should kind of jar us a little bit. That is not an excuse to go do whatever we want. But it does like, oh, I had those here and here. They instead are here. This is, this is terrible. Justification by works, this is terrible. If I try to justify myself before God, like this, that, that's worse than me just doing whatever I want and believing the gospel. So my mind, is, my mind is being changed here in heart too. Is this making sense? Like, I'm sorry for talking so much. I actually intended to be a little more, a little more uh, conversation. His, his command here, stand firm. I mean, what comes into your mind when he says something like that. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. What kind of language is that? I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And these these fleshly people, like we we want to think of them as, like evil, as uh, in the sense of uh, you know immoral and indecent and all those kinds of things. The fleshly people here are the, are legalists. They're the ones that want to obey the law, but their desire to obey 
is a fleshly desire. So this isn't, I mean, again, we're not, we're not necessarily talking about the world here, even though we are, in a, in a weird way. We need to rethink, I need to rethink my, my mind here. The, the legalists are deadly. The legalists are deadly. Those people that come in, and they're usually um, very idealistic, right, because that's our flesh is, is deceptive, that if you come in and say, no, in order to be accepted by God, you have to do this, like that, that is deadly. And we, we stand firm against that. That is the only response there. There is no leeway. There is no room. Right? We can, we can think of many, many different examples of that. Um, I was reading a, uh, a story this week because I, I remember her hearing something about this and uh, I wanted to, to know more. And anybody here hear of uh, the, the Treaty of Paris, uh, 1928? Yeah? Have you heard of it? You, like, um, this is before World War II, and the French and the, the English guy, and the, or sort of the U.S. guy. Do you remember what they do? They, they, uh, they come together, and they, they say, let's outlaw war. Let's, let's make it illegal to use war as a, a, a political policy. <laughs> and they get, they get like a ton of countries to sign this, this pact with them. 1928. Okay, this is, this is after the First World War. <laughs> but you know what's coming. Who's on that list? Germany, Japan. Like what, what happens just years after, and that's why this, this law, this pact, is mocked. They, uh, a lot of people try, and I think it's probably just idealist mentality, try to say, no, there was some good that came from it or whatever. But the idea is just like, that's, that's just ridiculous. How could you ever think that, that bringing a law in will change human behavior like that? Right? I mean, there's just... That's, that is, that's at the heart of what we're talking about here. That's legalism, and it's ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous. We, we want to obey. We can't. We just can't. And it's evil to think that you can. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point, Drew. Yeah, exactly. Antinomianism is is like yeah, that the pendulum will swing to that side for you here. And you say that the law is wrong, like the law's bad. And Paul says, No, the law is holy, righteous, and good. The commandment, but, the, but weakened by the flesh, weakened by the flesh, what it could not do, weakened by the flesh. Okay, that's what's at stake here. We, we, don't, we don't read this, think legalism, and say, okay, I don't, I don't want God's law. We say, I can't do it. The flesh, that this desire to, to try to justify myself, that's evil. That's, that's just a, an evil, wicked 
desire because it removes promise, right? Yeah. 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 Right. 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 Exactly. This, this holy, righteous, and good law that only condemns us because of our flesh, we are set free from that. Right, right. And it's, it's wicked to be outside of grace. Like that's, again, the point here. We want to remain under grace because in grace we have freedom. We have freedom from the condemnation of the law. And therefore, what do we do with our freedom? That's going to be next week and a couple weeks following. Paul is going to lay out life by the Spirit, which again, the spirit and the law, the Mosaic law, and their, the Jews' attempt to obey it are set in contrast with each other. We're, we're, he's not saying that the law is, is no longer holy, righteous, and good, but this understanding of trying to obey by the flesh is in contrast to obedience by the spirit. We're going to find out that under the spirit, obedience by the spirit, that there is no law. The law is we love our the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors ourselves. And, and that's it. That, that is the whole law right there. And you're free to do that now. Okay. I don't want to take up that person's application too much. But uh, yes, guard it jealously. Let's, I'm going to just want to read real quick, final minute. Um, expository commentary. This is, a, this is a commentary that Paul 
Pastor Paul gave me to, to use for this. I highly, highly recommend this as a commentary. It was extremely useful, very user-friendly, um, and I'm going to use it for my own, like, just study stuff, too. If you guys are interested, um, it's, it's put out by Crossway, and they have a whole, they have, they have a, a series of them, but yeah, that's my plug for them. Hopefully you find that useful, too. I'm just going to read their, their application response, basically in the back. It says, this passage urges believers of all times to guard their freedom in Christ jealously. This is not freedom to do wrong, as Paul points out clearly in 5.13. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but freedom from any claim external to the gospel itself that promises God's displeasure unless we submit to said claim. Okay? Those who believe that Christ's death has brought them out of slavery to sin and to the law's justified curse on the sinner must stand firm in their conviction that they are free from God's wrath. When well-meaning fellow Christians recommend to us various systems of godly child-rearing, financial management, scripture memory, prayer or mission involvement, or coping with health, health problems, right, we can probably think of a couple examples, um, we should evaluate them to see whether they conform to scripture and common sense and use them if they are beneficial. They should not, however, become activities that in our imagination cause God to love us more. If we find ourselves taking pride in such activities and internally condemning those who do not participate with us in them, we are in a dangerous path, not unlike the one the Galatians were traveling that caused Paul such distress. So that's, that's our takeaway. 